Hello and welcome back to Good Teaching with Dr. Toy and Ali. This is the podcast where we discuss with college instructors their best teaching practices as well as how they're learning to teach independently from their university positions. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. So I actually want to start with a question. Did you know that a world existed outside of academia where education is a huge focus? There is a full industry of online education that has nothing to do with academia. There's no research, there's no publications, there's no, you know, academic hierarchies at all. And this is a multi-billion dollar industry where people are sharing their knowledge and their expertise. And people are purchasing courses, trainings, workshops from these people because they're excited to learn. Like more and more academics are electively learning. They are choosing to learn online outside of like the traditional college and university structure. And what is wild to me is that academics are generally not involved here at all. Like this is our industry. This is our world. I would love to see more professors, more academics creating their own self-hosted learning experiences and like enriching this community of educators online that exist outside of the traditional academic structure. And so in today's podcast episode, I want to share some reasons why academics are pursuing teaching outside of their university, along with their university positions. So I'm going to share a few reasons why academics are creating their own self-hosted learning experiences. And I'm going to share some examples of past guests on this podcast who are creating their own self-hosted learning experiences, starting their own businesses along with their academic careers and are thriving and more fulfilled because of it. So if that is your jam, definitely stick around for this episode. So first, I want to give you a couple numbers. So back in 2022, so 2022, a couple years after the COVID pandemic began, online education was on the rise and the online education industry outside of academia brought in over 12 billion dollars okay and if you're thinking about that number you're like wow that's a lot it doesn't sound anything like the salary that i make exactly it can be very lucrative to create your own courses and sell them on your own outside of the university structure Um, but it's also really important to understand like why you want to do it why you want to help people as you probably noticed with everyone that i've interviewed so far they have this deep passion inside of them they're like oh my goodness i really want to make life better for other people and i can help people in this way. I've succeeded in this area. I have an expertise in this. My research covers this field. And I really think more people should know about it because people aren't really reading these published papers um, like the real world are not. How can I help people outside of what I'm publishing? How can I help people outside of the teach the classes that I'm teaching in my like regular day-to-day disciplinary courses? These professors are creating their own self-hosted learning experiences. And that's what I do. I help 
other academics get a piece of the pie. Learn how to structure a course for elective learners and not just for students. Learn how to market it and get people to know about it and purchase it and eventually just help a lot of people, which starts to build that like fulfillment that you receive like in your life. And I find that academics who are both teaching in the university and helping other people outside of that work, they tend to be more fulfilled with that impact and they love their lives even more. I actually had a conversation with a colleague, so someone who I participated in a program with. We, we had the Sotal Scholars Program, so the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning, and we were learning how to do research on our own teaching. And so we were in that program together, and she was like, we need to get together and meet up and just chat. So we did that this week, and we got to check in and see what we were both up to. And I was happy to learn that she passed she got through the first stage of like her promotion. Um, so it passed the uh, college and now it's going up to like the university for final say. And she said to me, I really don't know if it was worth it. And I was like, what do you mean? You've already made it past this step. You will likely be promoted. And she was like, well, I don't know if it was really worth like my well-being and like my work-life balance and like committing to all of this like extra work that I've done university-wise, like, what is the payoff? Like, I'll have this new title and maybe get, like, a $5,000 raise. And I was like, well, you know, that is quite minimal, um, <laughs> the payoff of promotion. I've actually been having a lot of conversations about this. Like, is promotion and tenure really all that it's cracked up to be? Is it really the thing we should be measure using to measure our academic success and fulfillment? I personally don't use it as a way to measure how successful I am academic-wise, how fulfilled I feel like in my life. I don't use it to measure that at all. And I actually wrote an essay all about it. Um, so if you want to check that out, go to drtoyandali.com forward slash tenure. And you can check out my thoughts on tenure and how maybe it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Um, but after that conversation with my colleague, I was like, okay, the work that I'm doing is so, so important. Giving academics an opportunity to really make a difference can help satisfy that need for impact and fulfillment that they may not be getting in traditional academia, that tenure or promotion may not fulfill. So I personally have been creating virtual, online, self-hosted learning experiences since 2017. I've had some wins, I have had some struggles, I've learned a lot along the way, but I am so pleased with the fact that I do this. So in my business, the Academic Society, I help graduate students with time management and productivity. So I've created online courses, I've created workshops, challenges, trainings, templates, digital products, books. I've even written a book and people find my resources so helpful and it just makes me feel so good. And at this point in my business career, my revenue from my business it brings in way more money than my university salary. Now you're probably like, well, why are you still teaching at your university? Well, because I love it. I just cannot foresee my life like not teaching math, but I just have this like deeper fulfillment that comes alongside with my fulfillment from teaching math with this other endeavor. And it just makes things 
very exciting for me. I'm always looking forward to the work that I do with the graduate students. In fact, it's a Saturday right now, and at 1 p.m., I meet with the students in my focus accountability program, and we do a monthly planning session together using my like project management framework. So this is a self-hosted learning experience that I've created that people are enrolling in and receiving help from, and it's enriching my life as well as theirs. Okay, so let's get into those five reasons. So there are five reasons that I have written down that academics are choosing to create their own self-hosted learning experiences. And so maybe you're going to resonate with one or even all of these. So the first reason is fulfillment. So often, once we've been teaching for a while, we start to teach like the same courses over and over and over again. And you start to realize, okay, this is great, but I feel like I have a little bit more to give. There's a little bit more that I want to share. And as an instructor, as a lecturer, I am very fulfilled when I help my students learn. But sometimes I need a little more. I need another boost. I need fulfillment from other areas than just my academic work, right? I don't want to spend my whole life just doing academia, right? I want other areas of my life that I can be excited about and be proud of. And it creates more balance in my life. So if you are looking for a little extra fulfillment, perhaps creating a self-hosted learning experience could help you get that. The second reason, there's this like hidden academic curriculum that you have likely noticed. You've probably heard yourself say or think this like, oh my goodness, I feel like these students would be so much better off if they knew how to do this one skill. I feel like they should be better at time management, but they're not. I feel like they need to learn more about productivity and organization. I feel like they need to be able to do this, but somehow this extra stuff is not really in the academic curriculum that you teach or even your department teaches. And it's like these things that these students are expected to know how to do, but no one has ever taught them. And you're like, where are they going to learn this information? They can learn it from you in your self-hosted learning experience. You could create a class, a workshop, a book, an email series, an audio course, on this topic that you think students or academics could really benefit from, but it's just not part of the traditional academic structure. And that's exactly what I did with the Academic Society. I realized that grad school was so much easier when I understood how time management worked for me personally, and when I understood when, where, and how I'm most productive. And I was like, grad students need to know about this. And that was the reason why I created the Academic Society. All right, number three, innovation and experimentation. Perhaps there's some new things that you wanna try, some new things um, with like quizzing, online tools, new ways to present materials. That's something that you could do outside of the university. Maybe what you teach doesn't allow for you to try new things in the classroom. You can try them on your own, in your own online course or workshop or training or whatever you decide to create. You can try new things and that often kind of lights a fire. I've found that the things that I've learned to do in my business, sometimes I bring them into the classroom. I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't consider that I could do this thing in my classroom. And because I do it in my um, business, I was like, oh, well, maybe it'll work for my students too. It was actually really, really helpful um, when I taught virtually because my business has always been completely online. And I 
have always used Zoom and I've always used online trainings and so many things online. So when we did have to pivot for a while and I had to teach my university courses online, I had all of these tools and resources that I was like, this works for my clients and my students in my business. This could work for my students in my disciplinary classes. And they did. Number four, it can help you reach a wider audience. So I talked about, you know, publishing papers that maybe no one outside of academia reads, but also maybe you only teach a certain amount of students every semester, right? I have small classes, 19 students in each class. So at most I'm impacting like 76 students per semester. But I found with my online learning experiences, I've been able to reach so many more people and help so many more graduate students with my business. I looked the other day um, in all of my like courses, programs, workshops, I've enrolled over 2,000 graduate students. I've helped over 2,000 graduate students and that feels amazing. And in my like content that I create online to bring awareness to my programs and my resources, I've reached even more people than that. My YouTube channel has over 13,000 subscribers. Like, wow, this is like so amazing to me. And I never thought that that would happen when I first started. But if you have a message, if you have something to share, you can get it out into the world by promoting your own self-hosted learning experiences and talking about topics that are related to it online. And then finally, a big motivator is additional income. When you're selling things online, you are making additional income. And so I mentioned my friend saying, you know, the pay raise that you get from promotion and tenure, it's not typically that significant. For me, I think it was about five or $6,000 for the whole year. I offer a program that is $5,000. I was like, wow, I could just sell one of my programs to an organization and get the same amount that I got in my promotion, like pay raise in like one month, I could get that. And I was like, wow, okay, this online learning experience thing is really impacting my life financially in a way that I didn't expect it. I started this whole thing because I am not paid in the summer. I have a 10 month like salary. And so if I wanna get paid in the summer, I need to teach summer classes. And I wanted my business to be able to support me in the summer so that I could have the option to teach or not teach in the summer. So my original goal was $10,000. If my business can make me $10,000 in one year, I would be so satisfied. I never expected for my business of teaching self-hosted learning experiences, I never expected that revenue to overtake the salary that I make in my university job and the freedom and space that has created for me. Like I have no problem saying no to things that I don't want to do <laughs> in my academic work because I have a backup plan and also I'm great at my job as well. So having both of those like great at my job and have this business to support me, it gives me this leverage. It gives me this confidence. It gives me this freedom. I've told the story many times about how I was like over $16,000 in credit card debt because of like the whole reimbursement culture of academia. So when I was a graduate student, I would go to conferences, I would go to job interviews, and I would have to pay my way there first and then be reimbursed 
But the way my grad school salary was set up, I couldn't afford to do that. So this had to go on credit cards. And so I just started racking up credit card debt. And then I had to move. And so there was a period of time, months, where I was not paid before I started getting paid my like salary. And so the credit card debt just kept racking up and racking up. And then one day, after hosting multiple self-hosted learning experiences, I talked to my accountant. I was like, I have this big credit card debt. Do you think I could use some of my business funds? Because she does payroll for me, so I get paid um, like on salary for my business. And uh, I was like, do you think you can add some extra funds to my payroll so that I can start paying off this debt? And she was like, well, let me check your equity in your business. If you could pay it all at once, would you want to do that? I was like, absolutely. So I was able to pay all of that credit card debt off all at once, all because I started teaching online outside of my university work. Okay, so these are just a few reasons why academics are creating their own self-hosted learning experiences. I want to share some of the reasons um, why other professors are, like the people I've actually interviewed. So I've had some amazing interviews on this podcast. I hope that you have listened to them. If not, definitely go back, check it out. But I want to share a little clip from those interviews where I asked the people that I interviewed, why did they start this business? Why did they start creating self-hosted learning experiences? So first, let's hear from Dr. Jesse Talley, who is a coach for new faculty members on the tenure track. She helps them get through their third year review and stay on track for tenure. Um, so I know that you recently did a, a video series. It was a two-part series um, where you were helping new faculty members with like, how to like begin the semester on like the right foot. And so I would yeah. love it if you would share a few of your like key takeaways. And if also if there's, uh, if the video is still up, if you have a way for us to like find it and share it with people, please share how we can find it. But yeah, how did you start the semester strong as a new faculty member? Yeah, so I was just sitting thinking about this because I'm like, I know I see on social media all the people who are about to start um, their faculty positions. And sometimes you're trying to like balance moving and prepping and all that kind of stuff. And you may be trying to figure out like, how do, what do I should I actually focus on to just be okay when the semester starts? Because like you said, like you may not have the luxury of not being on tenure track and you just have to dive right in. And so I was like, well, let me share some things um, that might be helpful. And so it's basically, I'm actually going to do the third video this week. So that one is not out yet. Uh, but the first two videos, one was basically just on um, course preparation. Um, and basically, how do you kind of craft how you want your um, class to run and how that kind of starts with um, building out those 15 to 16 weeks, like what do you actually want to teach? But then also how do you connect that back with your um, syllabus? And so that's kind of the process that I normally take. Like, let me think about what do I actually want to put in there first and then connect it back to building out what that um, syllabus is going to look like. And so the second piece was how to establish cl clear communication with your students, which is very um interesting when you're in a classroom and I like to tell people that every class has a personality and yeah. so it takes you a minute or a couple of weeks to kind of figure out the type of students that you have and what they need so what you did last semester may not work which is 
good and bad at the same time because it kind of keeps you on your toes. So you're like, okay, let me think of a new thing to implement in my classroom that's going to reach these students. Um, and then you can still use some of the same things, but just trying to make sure that you find some way to kind of connect with them so that they get the information. So that's what that one's going to talk about. And then the last video this week is going to be, I know a lot of people say work-life balance, but I don't believe we really are truly balanced in the academic life all the time. So I say work-life integration. So mm -hmm. trying to put the puzzle pieces together to fit basically what you kind of have going on in your life. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that this week. Just how do you kind of, you know, cultivate things around how it already is kind of working and fitting. How can I fit another puzzle piece in that will work with what I have going on right now? Mm -hmm. And so I thought those were like the main things to kind of tell someone because they are going to be overwhelmed and, you know, they want to come in and they want to do good. They want the students to love them. They want to get their research started, but also that, you know, you just have to, um, to take your time, like mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do everything every day, but just, you know, you have that kind of foundation of how you want your class to go. It may change. It might not. You just kind of have to be willing to adjust as you go along, I like to say. Yes, I think you are spot on with the three things that you are talking about in the three part series. Like when people ask me about teaching, so typically I'll do videos and content about time management. And then sometimes I'll do business stuff and people will ask me about teaching. And this is exactly what they want to know. Like, how do I actually put my learning outcomes and connect it with the syllabus? And how am I supposed to communicate with my students? And actually, I think that's something people don't even think about is the communication part. I think we kind of expect our students to know how school works. And, right. But every class that they're taking is completely different. And the communication yeah. may look different for every instructor. So it's very important to be so explicit about how you will be communicating with your students and how you want them to communicate yeah. with you. So I think these are awesome topics. Yeah. And so for anyone who is interested in watching this video series, I will put links to them. Um, if you're on YouTube, I'll put it in the description of the video. If you're listening um, on your podcast player, I will put it in the show notes. And there's always going to be a dedicated blog post on my website at drtoyanali.com. So I will definitely share this information yeah. because this is what the people need. And I'm going to shout out Crystal, Dr. Crystal Benjamin. She's always asking about teaching stuff. I know she's going to love this. <laughs> awesome. I yes. All right. Now let's hear from Dr. Chinasa Eluwe. So Dr. Chinasa has started her own consulting firm where she helps these like really like professional women like overcome all of these obstacles. She has all of these trainings for them. So let's hear her reason behind why she started this business. So you mentioned being well-rounded because you definitely are after my own heart as well because I'm with you on this. So not only are you a professor and you have your family and your home life, you are a business owner. You yeah. founded True Titans Consulting Group. So can you tell us what this group is all about and what led you to start this company? Absolutely. So uh, it's really interesting how sometimes our professional experiences, whether good or bad, in my case, they were a little bit bad or rocky in the start really open up our eyes to other opportunities, right? So I didn't allow my pain and that previous experience to go away um, and be purposeless. I turned it into 
uh, a, a company where I knew that I wanted to provide support to professionals of color who are navigating difficult and challenging experiences in the workplace. And so I launched my own business on the back end of leaving that previous role where I wanted to make sure out the gate I was able to apply some practical knowledge, some research-based strategies to coaching. And so I launched in 2016. I'm, I'm saying 2016. I'm like, wow, it's been that long. But as we're going on um, almost eight years now. And so I'm so excited to see the growth of this organization itself. Um, I do a lot of coaching work um, in the past. And recently, I've pivoted the business. So I was doing a lot of career coaching um, for clients of color and um, there's a deeper story to the pivot, but I'll mention here that I've recently pivoted the business to start doing more grief work and more trauma-informed work based on um, my own personal losses, um, particularly the past four years. And then even as we've navigated COVID and have witnessed all types of loss on multiple levels, whether it was loss of normalcy, loss in loved ones, loss in um, jobs, uh, you name it, we've had some form of loss that we've walked through, which has contributed to um, this kind of perpetual state of collective grief that we've been navigating. And so I recognized that I had a unique skill set that I really wanted to leverage and use this business to really support. And so um, last year, I pivoted to start doing grief coaching and also doing more public speaking around trauma-informed practices in organizational settings. That's beautiful. I love that. You know, as like academics and professors, we have so much knowledge and expertise that we don't always get to use in our roles as faculty members. Like the things that we know and the things that we can help people do don't really fit in the scope of the university curriculum, right? <laughs> and so we have this like burning desire to help people that we just got to get it out there. And so just like you were doing, starting your own business is one way that you can do that. Um, I actually have a workshop called the M Independent Professor Workshop where I teach yeah. uh, professors how to create their own learning experience that they host themselves. So if you're like feeling inspired by Dr. Chinasa and want to do something like that, I'll put a link to that workshop um, below this video or in the um, show notes of this episode. All right, and finally, my most recent interview was Dr. Um, Janet Antry. And Dr. Janet Antry really has a passion for helping underrepresented groups actually succeed in their STEM majors so they can do the careers that they actually want. And I really resonated with her passion for wanting to help her community. Let's transition because I met you online because you were doing some very interesting work with underrepresented students in STEM. Um, and so you created like your own learning experiences, like outside of your university work mm -hmm. to help with these students. So when did you decide to do that? What is it all about? <laughs> so I decided to do that in uh, two, almost two years ago. I just um, wanted to help ultimately um, in the community that I live in, I am, I'm Ghanaian. I go to, I live, I usually, wherever I've lived in America, there's a high immigrant population. I try to live close to my people so yes. I can feel at home. And I noticed that in those environments, you know, the students who are about to go to college tend to be first generation. Their parents are blue collar workers never schooled in America and really want the best for their kids, but aren't able to help just because they don't know the ins and outs about this whole college system. You know, 
kindergarten through 12th grade is kind of figured out for you. You don't have to do much. Wherever you live, you're going to find a school close by and you're going to go to it. But now it's time for college and now you're in charge and you need to pick, you need to decide, you need to apply. And the parents are like, I can't really be of help. So I noticed that there was a gap in my community and the parents needed the help. And here I am, I'm in higher ed. I know the system. I know how to help. And so it it was kind of like a response to a need. And um, so I started, I said, I'm going to be available, even though we're very busy. Um, I'm going to make some time during the week where I dedicate to this mentorship and college planning, helping students figure out what they want to do. You know, students will come to me with questions that their parents just couldn't answer, not because they just didn't know. Um, And so I would be able to answer, you know, they wouldn't even understand the differences in majors, like they know career, but you know, you have to go through some steps to get to the end career, you know, like say I want to do nursing uh, and then, or medicine. The kid knows this, but they don't know the process to get there. So I would be the one to tell them the process. I would be the one to help them through the process in my program. So that's how it all started. I love that. I I find that when I speak to people who really have a passion for teaching, they also have this like passion to help just in any way. And I think That's it's right. really cool that you found a way to help the people in your community to succeed and get to where you are. So what specific like offers or courses or things do you have for these students? <clears throat> right now, I do college planning. That's my uh, biggest thing that I do. So I Um, Students come into my program by their graduating school year. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, right now, class of 24, they're high school seniors right now. It's college application season. And so if they hear about me or someone in the community, I usually go and give talks at churches and in the community. So a parent will hear about my offering and, you know, enroll their their child in the program. So I do it where you co- you can come into the program if you're a class of 24, pretty much at any time um, before you go to college. So you can come in first day of your senior year or midway in your senior year. At any point you find me in your senior year, I will be able to help. But the earlier, the better, because the application, I want to help with the application season, even the essays and picking the right school. Picking the right school is so important. There's so much skill that goes into that and people are not able to decide. So the earlier you find me, the better it is that I can help you from the start to finish. Students, when they come into the program, they usually stay under my watch um, for for a while. Um, But initially, that's where the groundwork is done. We do the initial planning, and then the rest would be kind of like supervising, maintaining, managing, watching you from a distance, give me updates, let me know how you're doing. So I don't work with a ton of people at the moment just because I don't have capacity for it. So I just try to do a handful of students who are really in need because 
that's what I can offer. I can't do too much. Yeah, but it still makes a difference. I love that. I always try to like highlight what people are doing to like make an impact because for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, well, I like the classes I teach, but I feel like there should, there's more that I could be doing. So here's right. one example. Exactly. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So I love hearing how all of these academics are doing this. And if this sparked anything in you, you can 100% do it too. And I will lead you on this journey. I will walk you through it step by step. So on October 14th, I am hosting a workshop called the Independent Professor Workshop. Well, I will help you design your own self-hosted learning experience. I will tell you exactly what tech to use. I will tell you how to set it up. I will tell you how to um, kind of make time for it in your schedule. I'll tell you all the things you need to know to get it done. And it's going to be an actual working workshop. So we'll be brainstorming together. I'll I'll help you figure out if your idea is actually profitable or not. I'll help you figure out where to share information about it. I'll help you figure out how to actually set it up and actually host your own self-hosted learning experience. So if this sounds like something you are 100% excited about, definitely sign up for the Independent Professor Workshop. So right now I am offering it because I will be hosting it for the very first time on October 14th. So the full price is $197, but as a new per, as a new workshop, I like to get people in at a little bit of a lower price because I want to hear your feedback. I want to have a chance to update it. And of course, if you are in for the first iteration of the workshop, you'll be invited to next iterations of the workshop. So definitely check it out. See if you can get that special price on my website at drtoyandali.com forward slash independent. All right. So that is all for today. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. If you had some ideas and you got some great nuggets from it, definitely let me know. DM me at Dr. Toy and Ali on all of the platforms, and I will see you in the next one. Have a great day and happy teaching.